Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have a chance, head down in the show notes. We're going to try and supply all the links to all the topics that we're going to talk about today, as well as links to our Gumroad if you're interested in any of our resource guides for your around-the-world journey. If you happen to be using Build Your Library and Torchlight K going around the world, if you need some resources, they are there as well. And if you could, on I don't even know if iTunes even exists anymore. Maybe it's Apple podcast. I think I heard somebody say the other day, um, iTunes reviews is not a thing. It's called Apple podcasts. So I'm gonna have to check. I'm gonna have to check the link down there and make (laughs) sure it's right. Maybe you should check the link as well and see if you can leave us a review. Five stars would be appreciated. You know, it might send you a free pizza. No, we won't. (laughs) We've had a long evening. We're fresh off of our spotlight as we watched our little six and a half year old do her uh, Irish step dance all around the stage. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience. It was a pretty cool dance recital. A little dancer. That's our parent partnership. Yes, the parent partnership with 350 people staring at about, you know, five dozen children uh, running around, dancing, doing ballet, Irish step dance. Fiddle. It was very fun. It was a very very enriching night. So we had had a lot of fun, and our our three year old is right now tap dancing just above us on the bed. I can hear it. Hopefully, you can't. We had a question kind of like, you know, amongst ourselves and kind of amongst a couple friends who are also homeschooling regarding you know, the social opportunities and, and kind of these enrichment opportunities outside the home. You know, now that COVID is opening up and now that we have a lot more free time and we are starting to, you know, consider our early learners and trying to find, you know, friends and 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 find those lasting relationships. I know that was something that you had brought up the other day. You know, it's like, why well, I really want her to make some lasting friendships and, yeah. and, and meet some new kids. And, and not that it's been hard, but it, it, it's been well, something that we... Frankly, it has been hard. I mean, it has been, yeah. it's funny, you know, we're, we're doing this episode because I have spent the last like three weeks trying to figure this out for ourselves. And, uh, you know, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that we do attend a parent partnership with yeah. our six-year-old and that has been really wonderful. And she gets to interact with a lot of kids, but with COVID, everybody was masked up through the year and the kids were just a little bit more standoffish from between one another. So she didn't really make any friendships with that. And yeah, the one real class that was just filled with kids her age and packed full of girls. Yeah. Her you know, the, class. The, the mask, I think only came off sometime in April timeframe. So they were a little standoffish for about a few weeks and, and then the kids were still a little they were bit still starting they were starting to open up i mean just recently I was yeah in the so they're kind of yeah. starting to make friends better now and obviously the situation you know i mean hopefully won't be this won't be the situation next year but yeah, right. for the moment you know our daughter's walking out of spending a year at the parent partnership she hasn't made any friends yet that she didn't already walk in with um and so we just wanted to get, come up with some opportunities for her to meet more kids now that things are opened up again and the kids aren't uh, you know afraid to to reach out and and um 
you know, talk to new kids and stuff. And well, and, yeah. so, and this has been something you've been focusing on the last couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. I've spent like my every waking spare moment trying to look at all of the different opportunities that we can do in this area for our child. And, mm-hmm. you know, what, what can we do? What can we enroll her in? What kind of classes or clubs or different groups or meetups and things can we do? And I realized at some point, like, we should just do a podcast on this because I'm spending all my time doing this. So we've covered a number of podcasts over the last, you know, a half a dozen podcasts. We've talked about the summer, a lot of planning opportunities and whatnot, and, and you've done this great work. And there may be some families out there who are kind of like kicking around some ideas, maybe thinking about, you know, maybe what should I look for? Maybe something in the summer, maybe something that's coming up in the fall. So let's go ahead and get into it. You know, what type of opportunities do you ha- we have? And we kind of want to break this up into different thematic groups because mm-hmm. a lot of activities are can be grouped into these kind of varying t- various topics so maybe let's talk about the first one that might be as more you know educational that's correlate set in the core of education and kind of focusing on those you know social opportunities you know meeting those kids that are in that age range yeah so most of these are going to occur it's funny though we're homeschoolers we're going to have to oftentimes bend to the traditional school year as far yeah. as scheduling goes so you know kind of keep that in mind as you're setting up your year and your opportunities for your kids to be social and, and meet other kiddos um so We've got co-ops, which, you know, if you're yeah. if you're new to homeschooling, co-ops are just groups of parents, groups of other homeschoolers that get together and, uh, you know, maybe you'll teach science and somebody else is really good at art and they'll teach art and you kind of give classes for your kid and other kids together or you work on things as a group, do group projects or yeah. group learning. It's, it's a, it's a kind of an an unstructured, well, I guess it could be anything from very unstructured to, to, to pretty, to pretty structured, depending yeah. on the way the parents want to run it. But it is a parent, uh, led group classes, basically. Exactly. Yeah, so, like kind of one step down below the, the kind of popular these days, the pods where they, they kind of hire a teacher. Right. It's kind of one step below, below that where the, t- where the parents are, the parents are the leaders during the, the leading and the educating. Absolutely. Right. And so some of them are, some of them are, are pretty, um, are pretty formalized and you can, you can find them and they have, you know, set classes that they teach and stuff, but it is all building that they go to and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 So they can be anything from meeting at somebody's house to, yeah, having a, having a location they meet at. So, um, some of them are free, some of them are quite expensive depending. So there's all manner of those. So, so that's kind of co-ops and you'll have to be uh, cautious to find a co-op that aligns with, you know, whether you want a religious co-op or you want a secular mm-hmm. co-op, you know, just be aware that there's multiple types. Now, wh- where would they go to find a co-op? What would probably be your, your, your best, you know, advice to go find those? So, you know, if a, if a Google search doesn't turn it up, then I would look at your, um, your homeschool organization for your state. Um, you can often find a list of co-ops there or your local homeschooling Facebook group or your state homeschooling Facebook group. That's where that stuff is going to come out of the woodwork. The less formalized the co-op is, the more likely it is that you're going to have to do it by word of mouth via a Facebook group rather than being able to find it on, uh, um, on a Google search. So, you know, just kind of be aware uh, so there's there's co-ops. There's also parent partnerships or some sort of charter school 
So this would be something, or I guess we could even go with a private school. These would all be in the same category of uh, not your child's sole education, but something that they use for enrichment or just a couple, just a one core class or two core classes or whatever you want it to be, but you are still the primary educator. So for us, we go to a parent partnership, which is uh, part of our public school district, mm-hmm. but our daughter takes enrichment classes. She takes Lego and robotics and dance and no, woodworking. That's yeah, all supplemental. Yeah, it's, it's nothing core, and she only goes a couple of days a week. It's not. Would you also full. include um, parents out there who maybe have like a middle schooler or high schooler who's doing part time at a public school as well? So like they're taking the science classes. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, in a lot of states, you can take a take a part-time, you know, oh, I, I want to send my middle schooler for chemistry. If they, I don't know if they teach chem in middle school, but, um, you know, if you if you want to, you know, ca- chemistry is like school. the popular one. But or, or they're doing organic chem in middle school. <laughs> it could be like choir or theater, you yeah, know, exactly. you want to send your, your student there. And, and a lot of states allow you to send your student part-time to a public school. So I think that definitely counts. Absolutely. Um, and then there are, there are uh, some, some, States particularly have these charter schools and maybe you go on, on campus for one class or maybe it's all online. Yep. I, I'm We're trying not to focus in this episode on online things because we really want to talk about being social. And I think it's really hard to, you know, meet friends and be social online for early learners. I think it's something that, you know, the high school age can probably do pretty well and they like to play online video games with friends and stuff. But at this age, this early elementary age, uh, it's really important that they get that like face-to-face time. And that's kind of what we're looking for. We're looking for that non-screen time related right. communication exactly. and op- social opportunities. Absolutely. So, you know, look around for whatever your uh, state has, whether it's uh, charter programs or parent partnership programs, or what there there are in some areas, private schools where you'll take a couple of classes at the private school and they basically act like a parent partnership program, but they're private and there's tuition. So, mm-hmm. you know, some variety of a, of a part-time school would be kind of this line item. Now, now what about throwing kids into the forest and letting them live yeah, as forest sort of like, schools. yeah, you know, out in the wild, the revenant type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So there's lots of like family forest schools, uh, forest preschools or outdoor yeah. preschools. So usually these are some sort of an outdoor based, um, either a drop off or parents go to, um, and they Maybe would happen. See co-ops as, as a forest school. As yeah. Well. Sometimes co-ops are some of these kind of all mixed together. So, you know, be aware, but we're just trying to give you some ideas. Um, and these groups would meet maybe a few times a week. Um, and they would do most everything outside. There would be very little that isn't outside. And one of our throwback way back, uh, interviews where we interviewed, um, uh, a forest school out of Spokane. And I'll make sure to in, uh, include that. Our in the first link. interview. That was our y'all. first first interview. It was like two hundred episodes ago. Jeez, and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes below so you can kind of get an idea of what that looks like. And, mm-hmm. and I think that podcast had a link to her her forest school as well, so you can see pictures and whatnot. Right, and and there's lots of these out there. It's a really popular thing to do for like forest preschools. Um, but that's another great uh, idea. It gets everybody outside. So that's mm-hmm. that's nice. Um, there's also homeschool meetups. There's a variety. So um, you can find them on Meetup. You can find them on Facebook. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of different ones. There's Wild and Free, and there's there's just all kinds. This is going to be just not as formal as a co-op, but it's um, meeting up to more go, like a play date type of thing. Kind of like a play date. It might be a play date on steroids, where they're going to actually go for a hike or they're going to do a craft, or, I mean, there mm-hmm. can be some extra to it, but it's not 
definitely not a, a formal thing. It's just a bunch of, you know, like-minded families with similar aged kiddos that are getting together to, for their kids to have fun and to socialize and get to interact with different kids. So the important thing about meetups is because of the type of thing that they are, you know, I don't have to really find like-minded families at my parent partnership or some other enrichment class, right? I, it doesn't matter what everybody's views are. That's cool. But when you go to a meetup, you really want to find, you know, people that are like you, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we've had a lot of trouble lately with meetups and, you know, some, some groups want to be, you know, focused this way and others want to be focused some other way. So, you know, be inquisitive about the meetup before you go and kind of what those families are like. Are they super outdoorsy families or are they mostly just wanting to meet at a park and have the kids Especially play the, while you drink coffee? I mean, yeah. like you're finding your tribe here. So, exactly. you oh, and you're trying to target a certain age range. Like exactly. You know, you're trying to get social opportunities. You're trying to play matchmaker for your, your, your six year old, seven year old, eight year old. And you want to make sure that you're not matching with a 14 year old or, or, right. or a three year old in that respect. So yeah. you're trying to look for kids that are similar age and it's, it's okay to ask, if this meetup has, you know, hey, do, I, I have a six-year-old or seven-year-old. Right. Are there other six and seven-year-olds here? That, what age kiddos? Is this a religious yeah. meetup or is it not? And, you know, if it is a religious meetup, is it okay if we aren't? Or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just yeah. lots of things to kind of suss out here. It's always okay to ask. Right. It's totally okay to ask. And I think that any group that is not okay with you asking about the parameters of their group is probably not a group you want to join. (laughs) So, um, or they're not clear about their parameters. Yeah. Don't be afraid. And I find that ones that aren't very clear, then they tend to be very kind of scatterbrained in the way that they, they operate anyways. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely don't, don't hesitate to inquire before you jump into something. Now, what about enriching activities, you know, in general, things around STEM, things around reading and math. Yeah, there are like enrichment, there are enrichment activities, classes everywhere for our kids. Uh, You do have to kind of figure out where to look. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is one where I like to start with looking like for, you know, kids cooking classes, for example, (laughs) because oftentimes what you'll do, we have a place um, not too far from us that does a bunch of kids enrichment classes and they have like a kid's cooking class and Mm -hmm. they have a kid's STEM class and a kid's art class and they have Mm -hmm. all these different things at this one center. So, you know, try to try to do some keyword searches of, you know, kid's art class or kid's cooking class around and you might start to see some things that are offered. These can be, um, usually they're not like a one-time, typically they're a a multi-week deal that you would pay for. Um, and they're going to be after school hours. So your kiddo is going to be there with maybe other, um, non-homeschool kiddos. There are, there are enrichment, there are classes that are offered just for homeschool kids during the school day, and you will find some places that will do that. And they will cater to that. Yeah, it's just not the norm. Most enrichment classes are going to be um, for public school kids, so you're going to find them in the evenings or on the weekends. So just be aware that that's the way that would go. But there's lots of opportunities. And also things um, like children's museums. I know we have one here mm-hmm. in our area, and they have a lot of, very often they have kind of organized play activities, organized um, science activities, especially the one um, here just down the, about 40 minutes up the road from us. Um, there's a children's museum that has like these huge entertainment areas where they'll bring in, you know, speakers or entertainers that will, 
you know, put on an event. It'll be some STEM oriented event or some reading event or Mm -hmm. something of that, or some biology or science or animal focused, or even a regional thing. Like if it's, um, you know, indigenous people, you know, doing, um, you know, just a display of art or something of that nature, you can find those like local museums and they may have events sort of like how the libraries do like, you know, reading hour and story hour, stuff Mm -hmm. like that, that a lot of these places will have events where you can participate and, you know, do enrichment activities. I know the, the children's museum for us was a, you know, pay once per day, but it was only like two X more and you get like a year pass and you can come as often as you want. And if you're going to be going during the day, then you're going to be meeting up with other homeschool families. Exactly. That's one of the things, not that, you know, our, our daughter has friends with both homeschool and non-homeschool kids and and that's totally cool. Um, But if you are looking for more homeschool friends that can get together during the hours that school is normally in session, try going to these places you know, when school is, is going so that the only kids that are there are homeschool kids. And that would be the same advice I would give about going to like a park to, you know, try to go during the school day so that you can meet if, you know, if your goal is to make other homeschool friends, that's, that's a great way to do that. High probability you'll see it. Right. Um, so that was kind of core education, core focus there. Um, and also social opportunities. Now let's step into the arts. The arts is such a huge, um, huge topic. There's so many opportunities in the arts, you know, from painting to theater, you know, to dance, you know, where, where are they looking for, you know, if their if their child wants to get into the arts, if they show some, you know, interest or, or capability towards mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, uh, obviously there's, there's tons of opportunities. Um, dance is a big one, right? You know, yeah. your kid can take ballet or hip hop, tap, jazz. Our, our daughter takes Irish. Um, there, there, we, she took, you know, lessons that we, we, we took did. lessons yeah. at a, at a dance studio. Yeah. For uh, a couple of years. Yep. And so that's one opportunity. That's one way that, you know, your kiddo can meet some other, other kids is to look at your local dance studio. And a lot of times they separate those by age group. So it will be a full room, you know, with children. Of and similarly aged very kids. often, um, those, you have to be there. I remember I had to be in the class, not mm-hmm. in the classroom. Like I could see through the windows, but I was in like the main area that's a great place to, hey, you're a parent. You have a kid that's six. My kid likes your kid. Yeah. Let's exchange some phone numbers and see if you guys right. want to hang out, right? We it's, literally did that tonight. We literally just did that We tonight. were like, we were like I and this mom that our kids were friends and we were like, hey, we were just talking well, about you. They've been in the same class together for the whole year yeah. and they've always been like, hi, hi, hi. And it's like- We were like, can we you have know. your number? Yeah, and she's you, like, oh yeah. yeah. Play we, dates this summer? You we'd know? love to. So- one one thing that I think that this is a good point, I didn't have this in my notes, but I think it's a good time to bring it up, is if you are not naturally outgoing, you may need to put yourself out there for your kids and really try to break out of your comfort zone to reach out to that other mom or dad that you meet when, you know, your kids just click at the park or yeah. at a, you know, dance class or something else. And, you know, you can see that your kids really get along, but especially with these early learners, it's too young for them to really, yeah. they they need some of our help sometimes to be able to facilitate, you know, another, a play date that's not at that class or, yeah. uh, you know, some other get together or meet yeah. up at the park or whatever. And so if you're a stay at home dad, you, you may need the icebreaker of the wife to come in there and actually ask for the phone number too. Yeah, to, <laughs> for all of you stay for all of you homeschool moms out there. Be nice to the stay at home dads. Be nice to the homeschool or, dads because they feel very um, much outsiders I'm in not, all of I'm, these. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you for your digits. Like like I'm 19. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Hey lady, give me your digits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
that's funny. <laughs> you've got this. You've got this baby. When you were going to dance classes, yeah. you had a you had a baby in a carrier, and you had our, they're our all daughter. Laughing. They're all laughing at it, getting the digits. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Oh, I'm You're sure super are. funny. I'm yucking it up here. <laughs> yeah, you know, he had a baby in a in a carrier, and he had this little girl in her ballet out, outfit, and the moms just like ostracized him. So <laughs> wasn't cool. Yeah, he wasn't cool. So please be cool to the dads. Please, um, please. So so dance is one opportunity, um, and like you said, good yeah. opportunity too for you to sit around with those other parents and meet some other parents and maybe help you know facilitate play dates. Um, theater is a great way for kids to not only uh, be social with other kids, but really uh, come out of their shell if they're a little shy or you know, talk, feel that confidence. Talk about the various levels of theater that people can look into. Like if they're just getting into it, hey, my kid really likes drama. They want to get into it. Tell them like what are the various levels yeah. like using kind of the greater Seattle area as an example. So often uh, theater camps start uh, in kind of like the mid-elementary age they don't start super young there are some um there are some children's theaters that will take really young kids so you can kind of do the camps or classes thing and then that just depends on uh, what kind of facilities are in your area that have camps or classes but then there's also having your kid audition to be in a children's theater production and there's lots of children's theater especially in different metropolitan areas and that's something that your kid can go and audition. Even the process of auditioning for it, even if they don't, you know, get cast, is still a great way to meet other kids who are interested in theater. So that's also a great way to go. Um, so there are different opportunities depending on you know, how formal you want to be. But just don't forget about community theater. I, I stage manage for community theater. We need kids to try out for shows. We're, we're doing a production of Elf this winter, and we're going to need kids to play elves. <laughs> and so, you know, if it's something that interests your kid, one of the things that I found working with um, adult actors who had been in many, many shows is that they were beyond gracious with kids. And mm-hmm. we had a, a child actor in our last show who was who was the main um, character. And they they just bent over backwards to make mm-hmm. her feel comfortable. Parents are always welcome to be there if you know you're you know concerned about about safety and things. It's they're really lovely people. So highly recommend if your kiddo is at all interested that they think about reaching out and doing either a theater camp taking a class somewhere or uh, trying out for children's theater or even community theater, even with uh, other adults, because especially if multiple kids try out, then, uh, you know, there are also kids who are sometimes working backstage and there's a, it's a great way. It's a great way to meet other kiddos. Now, what about arts and crafts? Um, getting into that artistic mode, uh, drawing, painting, crafting you know are there things sculpting is there other things for them yeah there's all kinds of enrichment classes there's there's kids painting classes and drawing classes and and there's uh classes at where you can sculpt and then they'll fire your creations and things there's all kinds of opportunities for that so you can obviously you can do some sort of a summer camp or something for that is arts and crafts crafts space or you can just take an enrichment class that is all about teaching and you can really focus too on different mediums as well you know mm-hmm. if your your child's really interested in watercolor for example and you can try out some different things one of the things i like about this is your you got this social opportunity and this is what i was balancing with our daughter too is 
I want her to have the social opportunity because I want her to make more friends, but I also want to expose her to a lot of different things to find out what she might be passionate about in the future. Uh, So these classes are a great way to expose your kiddos to different things that might really interest them. What about music? I know, you know, we're all talking, we're always wondering like, okay, how, how can I get them into an instrument? You know, maybe they, there's like a jazz band or get them into drums or, you know, you know, playing music and being creative in that respect because it is so easy to create music now and it's so easy to do it on the computers as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many opportunities with music. It's just, I think, wide wide open now to be creative. Where can they go for that? Yeah, so for music, obviously, there's there's always private tutoring lessons, but that doesn't really help us with the social aspect. I mean, obviously, it helps them socialize with the, their tutor, but not meet other kids. And so uh, there are there are group uh, classes. There are homeschool orchestras out there that you can find. Mm-hmm. Your kid can also take orchestra class at their local school if that's something that your state allows. That's that goes the same for art and theater as well. You know, exactly, obviously, yeah. if they want to go take a class, but you know, for music specifically, there are some music teachers that do give group lessons and they give homeschool group lessons. We have a friend that he takes piano, their son takes piano and it is in another homeschool group. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kids all practice pieces together and then they had a big recital together. Yeah, it was just recently. So, yeah, really Right. And it was funny because the mom we hooked up with tonight, um, who we're going to schedule a play date with her daughter also they know this this other boy from this other family because they do piano together so it was a it was a big small world yeah yeah yeah. so you you know you'll find that there are some that will give group group lessons and do group recitals and things um and then you know look for opportunities for like homeschool choirs and homeschool orchestras if they have those in your area absolutely now through the summer we know we're competing a lot with the public schools for all of these opportunities especially arts and theater and whatnot there are camps through the summers yeah, and, there's camps everywhere yeah. the, the only thing that we would say about camps is that you need to be very proactive about camps because like you said we're competing with all the public schoolers and those parents need child care so often so they're going to register for those camps as soon as registration opens most of the time. Um, so, you know, you're probably too late this year for many of the camps, but you know, something you'd be thinking about for next year, or, you know, if you're lucky enough to snag a spot, that's great. It's just, uh, it can be really challenging. So you have to be pretty on the ball for summer camps, but there are some amazing summer camp opportunities for the arts. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about core requirements some social opportunities. We talked about the arts. Let's talk about outdoors. You know, a lot of us are thinking about the summer we're thinking about spring and fall and winter, you know, obviously for a lot of us is kind of a downtime, you know, what type of outdoor opportunities do we have and, and what can people, you know, kind of look for? There are certainly, you know, outdoors type of meetups, you know, we talked about something like a wild and free or there's, there's different ones. There's all kinds of different ones that are more outdoor focused or also homeschool hiking groups. We have a local homeschool yep. hiking group here. Um, a hike at baby is another one that usually it focuses on moms with, um, with, young young children but they always bring along but they always bring along their siblings i've i've met a lot of other homeschool parents in hike it baby and that's a national organization um you can also find that there's like uh, horseback riding lessons and you know other type outdoor uh, outdoor related lessons like we had but but with the boozes we don't do horses no we don't do horses we don't do we don't do do big animals no big but um (laughs) but yeah so so there's horseback riding lessons and like there was another school around here that taught like uh, different types of outdoor 
not survival is the wrong word, but like outdoor skills. Oh, yeah. But like just um, kind of wild skills, like picking, finding mushrooms. You know. No, nah, not mushrooms, but yeah, like but no, like like, like herbs and knowing edible um, yeah, yeah, yeah. berries. Like a kind of a foraging type of thing. Yeah, there was, there's just all kinds of different stuff like that. So Absolutely. there's also tons of outdoor camps, the, you know, the traditional summer camp with the swimming and hiking and kayaking and, or eat canoeing. My, eat my shorts type of stuff. Yeah, with songs around the campfire. What no, what was that Nickelodeon show? Campfire? No, what was the one where the they put the shorts uh, up? Wasn't it Pete, Pete and Pete? What was the show? I don't remember. Anyway, there's somebody's that show. gonna somebody comment and <laughs> yeah. tell us. So, um, you know, speaking of camping, one of the great ways to get other social opportunities for our kids is to go camping, especially to go camping during the school week. When yeah. the other families that are there are likely homeschool families, yeah. and um, we, we've done this a couple of times, and we've run into kids. Yep, and we our and our age. kid has made yeah. friends. One of the things we our kid will ride her bike around the campground, mm-hmm. and if she sees another little girl that she might want to play with, she'll stop, and I'll come with her and ask that little girl's mom if it's okay. You know, if she comes riding around the campground too, and mm-hmm. I've actually exchanged numbers with moms before, and we've made friends that way too. So don't forget about. Out, meeting other kids in the campground, you'd be surprised how how many people are from the same area. So Absolutely. the other thing I want to mention too is we do take our kids to the park, to the you know to the playground uh, often. But one thing that I would encourage you to do is maybe branch outside of your comfort zone. We we tend to have like the same park we go to over and over again. If you try different parks on different days. Your, your kid kiddo is invariably going to run into different kids and that's a great way for them to make friendships. One of the things I love about early learners is they tend to make like good friends immediately on the playground. (laughs) You know, our daughter will play with somebody for like 20 minutes. This is my best friend. What's her name? I I don't know. (laughs) Right. So if you, if you tend to repeat going to, you know, you can reach out to the parents uh, when you're there and say, gosh, our kids really like playing together. Do you come to this park you know, regularly on Tuesdays or whatever. Um, And then, you know, you can try to put that into your calendar if it works out. So try to get outside your comfort zone and try different playgrounds in your area. Don't just get locked into the same, the same one. So that was outdoors. We talked about the arts and about the core, core, you know, educational opportunities that that people could find as well. Um, Let's talk about the big one. You know, it's the first thing most people think about with social activities. It's sports. You know, going into the spring, you know, into the summer and then into the fall and even into the winter where you have some indoor sports like basketball um, and volleyball and things of that nature. You know, sports, you know, where can people find, where can they go and find sports opportunities for their young ones? Yeah, so there's a lot of different youth sports and it is difficult to figure it all out. It, it is. It's sort of like this, like, like almost like a cornucopia of opportunities and they and they all have their different things and they're all at the same age groups and right they're all different seasons too so that can be challenging one of the things that's nice about sports there's a few things that are nice about sports um you know obviously it it teaches them a skill and teaches them teamwork so all that's great they run sports run all year long even through the summer so it, it doesn't it's not locked into the traditional school year obviously some sports are only played during certain times of the year but you know if your kiddo like our kid at this point she's pretty sports agnostic because we don't she hasn't found one thing she's like locked into yet so you know there are sports that go through the summer there are you know we can put her in anything and she's pretty much happy to be there so mm-hmm. one of the things to look at your local parks and recreation department they will have a certain number of, you know, teams 
potentially like ours around here doesn't really, we don't really, our parks and rec department doesn't do it, but in other areas I've lived, parks and rec is a big part of it. Uh, boys and girls club, your local YMCA, those are all, you know, places that, that have youth sports. And then you'll often find for each sport in your area, you'll find usually some sort of a private a private group doing it. A private so we, club type of thing, yeah. Yeah, we have a private club here for soccer. We have a private club for baseball yeah. and softball and sometimes and different different regions, you know, have different sports that are, you know, highlights. Like I know in the South, there'll be a lot of football. Football mm-hmm. is kind of a, a year-round sport in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, lacrosse is very popular, I think, in the New England area. Yeah, so you and make we're it getting lacrosse up here. We're getting rugby. Yeah, we're getting rugby. Which is so, different and so, interesting. Some more out there sports may have more private clubs, so you have to reach out to them. Um, and try to figure out which one is right. Which. There's also like swim team. Mm-hmm. Our YMCA has swim team for pretty young kids, which I'm I'm excited about. There's there's volleyball when they get a little bit older. You know, if, depending on the area you're in, there could be hockey or or skating teams, figure yeah. skating teams. So, really think about sports and whether or not you know that might be a good fit for your family. And then, just another step outside of that, there are the AAU sports, which is more of like a um, more advanced. Uh, sporting more a more competitive more level. competitive you are actually uh, trying out for those teams and if you don't make it they will ask you to then you know go play at the ymca t- club or the boys and girls club it depends on your area and whatnot T- the aau squads tend to be trying out for um two different types of things so like if they want to go into the aau basketball they get selected for an aau team if you don't make the aau team they will recommend you to go and play for the boys and girls club. Now, is AAU when you coached AAU, it was it was like a stepping stone to play for the middle school and then the high yeah. school basketball team. It's like kind so, of a pipeline. So, Do they still have AAU though in middle school and high school, or is are you really just playing for the school team at that yeah. point? So, so the, it can go both ways. I've seen it a couple different ways. Um, one is if you have kind of a small town experience, like we kind of had up 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 a little bit north of here where we we're living now. We we were up a little further north in a town called Arlington. The AAU squad was kind of a feeder into the high school teams. Mm-hmm. Um, in some bigger cities, the AAU teams and the travel squad teams can be tangential to the high school teams. Mm-hmm. So if you are a an elite athlete or you're a really good, you know, if you say you're a basketball player and you are going to play for your high school, a lot of those guys who are going to go on to, you know, D2, D1, they are also playing in off-season basketball on these travel teams or AAU squads right. or you know 16 you know or 17 year old teams that travel all around the country you know those are obviously very elite teams but that is true for almost every sport it just depends on where you are like if it's right. if if you have more of a rural area it's going to be a feeder probably into your high school squad and that's how the one for us was it was the head coach for the basketball uh, for the varsity team was kind of the overhead or overseer of the entire AAU process you know, the process. He would come to the games for the 12-year-old teams and the 13-year-old teams and the 14-year-old teams because he knew those kids would be coming into the middle school and then ultimately into the high school. And his philosophy was pushed down into those teams. So like how they ran their offenses, how they ran their defenses. Right. So it depends on where you are and how those programs feed in. But sometimes they are, you know, separate from from the high school squads, like big cities, like in LA type of thing, you will have... um you know, you will have squads that are just playing all the time so they can play summer and spring. 
Mm-hmm. And then in the fall to play for their high school team or their, right. or their prep team. And this own. sounds maybe a little bit older, but, you know, when you coach, you coach for fifth grade team. I think it started at fourth grade, the yeah. AAU did. So, uh, you know, if you it's have... Like a, it was like an 11-year-old squad. I right. If so. you've got an athlete, you know, you've played boys and girls club and they're, you know, they're they're really good at basketball or soccer or something else, there will be some level of like elite sport. It might not mm-hmm. be AAU, but, you know, think about there might be like another level. And that's, if your kid's really good at a sport, that's a great way for them to make close friends because those are other kids that are also super into that same sport. Yeah. Well, I had my cousin, she she was on a travel um, soccer team mm-hmm. uh, down in LA. And so they would travel, you know, pretty good distance to play soccer games. And she was really, really good. You know, she was like 10. 11 right. it was a practice squad you I had another cousin that was really highly ranked for table tennis and was yeah. on a like a travel table tennis Tra- team travel table so tennis. you one, know one don't my, discount any sports and one, of, and one of my childhood friends he was a really good hockey player and he was a goalie and this was in detroit and he was on like you know they have all the different types of like peewee leagues and i or i don't know maybe that's for football but um they had all these like different um leagues in detroit area that were like not affiliated with schools or anything. And these kids would be traveling all the time to play hockey. Um, I know in some States like, you know, Minnesota where the high school hockey is like the biggest thing on the planet, right? That, that, that's where everything feeds into the high right. school squad. So it really depends on which sport you are and where you are. And how right. Sports. We even have like ski teams here. Yeah, we have ski teams we've got here. Mountains not too far away. Yep. So, you know, they're, they're think outside of just kind of the main, you know, soccer, baseball, basketball, yeah. um, that there might be some other things out there, but yeah, there could be some unique and interesting sports. What about cheerleading? I know cheerleading is, is, is a sport in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. Lots of injuries you know, just as, just as difficult as, yeah, as regular Yeah, a lot sports. of times it's like linked with whoever is doing the football team. The, then they'll have a cheer squad that can go yeah. with it. And of course, there's lots of opportunities for cheerleading. But they do now have travel cheer squads that perform and compete. Right, and there's competitions. And they, and, and they don't even care about the, like cheering for a football team. It's just, it's almost yeah. like a dance. It's almost like a dance competition. Right, they have baton too. My mom was competitive, a traveling baton twirler when she was in school. Um, so there's that as well. There's also gymnastics oh, yeah. and there's lots of flavors of gymnastics and that we, you and can we, do. You know, our local gymnastics, we got a small town, but we have a competitive gymnastics, mo- actually multiple gymnastics squads yeah. here in the town. We have a couple centers and, you know, they start early as, you know, five or six years old and all the way up through high school. And these girls are, yeah. you can definitely tell these are high school girls and they are bouncing all over the place. They are crazy athletic. It's, it's very cool and, to see. And they're in and among six-year-olds learning how to do the balance beam. So it's, you can find almost anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of opportunities for those. And for all of these sports, again, there are summer camps that are focused on them yeah, I remember, for all yeah. levels from, from amateur to kids yeah. to AAU elite kids. There's And there's everywhere in between, there's a summer camp for that. And those basketball camps and those sports camps start early. I mean, they can go as early as second, third grade I've seen. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great place. You know, we've, we've got a friend who her daughter is also in kindergarten. She's going to soccer camp this yep. summer and it's, it's just a day camp. Um, and it's not for elite soccer athletes. No. I mean, she's only in kindergarten. It's just a fun sports camp where hopefully she'll, you know, make friends with some other local kids in the area that also really love soccer because she loves soccer. So sports is a huge thing. There's so many opportunities. Definitely take a look in your local area and it will, it will vary based on how large your city is and how rural and suburban you are on what path you might you might choose and obviously the ability of your your young one um to pick up the sport so you know that will all factor in so and the other thing about sports that i, that I just want to caveat this is 
that um, we made friends with our daughter just played soccer for the first time. It was our, her first main sport since COVID. And we were able to meet all these parents on the sidelines and we got invited to birthday parties. And it's a and local team too. So it's a local, local team. Kids, yeah. yeah. We're going to see these kids year after year. So mm-hmm. it's a great way to, again, about parents having to kind of get out there to help our young learners have more opportunities to get together with kids and build bonds and things. So well, and just to piggyback on top of that, you know, the more we've gotten back out into the community since COVID has opened up, it's so funny. I see the same kids. I, I see the same parents. I do too. And they're not even necessarily going to our parent partnership. I'm seeing kids who are going to the local Yeah, they're not. School. They're not. I mean, her soccer team is not a homeschool soccer team. No, it's not. And, I think there may be but, one other girl. That's but I've actually seen too. some of the kids from our parent partnership on some of the other squads. Yeah. And it's very funny. She had to like compete against a kid who was in her her Fundergarten class, you know, we, we keep seeing all these people. And so eventually it's almost like a advertising where you keep seeing the same thing over and over again. Eventually yeah. you say, Hey, hey you right. know, how are you? You know, and you know, it does, it does take us kind of putting ourselves out yeah. there and trying to learn the other kids' names and cheer for them too and stuff, you Absolutely. know, but it's a, it's a good opportunity. So that's sports. Let's go over to the other side of it. There, there are enormous clubs out in the world. So many clubs, you guys. What type of clubs are out there? So the first thing I want to go into is scouts. Scouts! So I'm going to preface this by saying that basically every scouting organization has some sort of religious component. So if that's not for you, you can skip right on by. But many, many secular families, including us, do scouting with no religious implication, really. So I thought it would not be fair to not talk about it, but if that's something that you're not into, then fast forward. Um, So uh, Scouts BSA, a.k.a. Boy Scouts, (laughs) which is which is now opened up to girls as well. Not exactly co-ed because what they do is at the lowest level of their organization, they have groups of boys and groups of girls. They're not actually mixed, but then they get together in the higher level meetings where multiple like dens, I'm going to get all the terminology wrong, but like (laughs) when the multiple dens and each den is single gendered and then they get together with the pack, I guess. And that has multiple dens. Military-esque. Yeah. So anyway, they're, they're, they're kind of co-ed, but not exactly. The girls and boys are still segregated in their smaller groups. But, you know, Boy Scouts is something that there's a ton of, I mean, all those merit badges. There's a ton of skills, life skills that are learned through through Boy Scouts. And we, we've had some friends whose girls have gone through it two, and really two loved cousins, it. Two cousins that were big time scouts. They went all the way through Eagle Scout, I think. Yeah. Those kids, is, it's highly outdoors active. They learn tons of, you know, real world skills and things. Know that, um, so it's first through 12th grade, uh, but know that the faith component is really at every level. So there's like a commitment to be loyal to God, but they don't say which God exactly. And there is, there are kind of some faith requirements at every level. So that's something that, um, you know, it concerns you talk with your local, you know, scouts, BSA leaders, and kind of find out, you know, what would work for your family. Um, but of the different scouts levels, this one has a bit more of the religious component than other scouts. So know that. Um, let's talk about the cookie empire. (laughs) Yes. Girl scouts. So we just signed our daughter up for a scouting troop. Um, this is K through 12. 
There, this one doesn't have as much of a religious component. There is a part of the Girl Scout promise includes to serve God, but it, that that's basically it. And there's a pledge of allegiance, obviously. So there's a couple of things that are that are a bit mildly religious. There are opportunities to do faith based badges, but you don't have to. So um, one of the things about Girl Scouts, which I thought was very interesting, is that I was able to search. And they said what school the different troops went to. And I was able to find a homeschool Girl Scout troop. Mm-hmm. Um, I confess we have not got to go to a meeting yet because it's going to be ending uh, for the summer. Because they do, te- you know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, most of the Scouts will run during the school year. It is up to the leader if they want to run through the summer or not. A lot of them don't, though. So just know that. But I did like that I could search for a homeschool troop. And I could find a group of other homeschoolers. And the troop we're going into is actually like a K through 12 troop. So I'm excited that it's going to have older girls that will hopefully set good examples and help mentor younger girls. Um, so I, I'm interested in that. And I hope well, we, that it's we good. We just then. had a, like with, with the parent, just as an aside, we had the parent partnership event tonight. And yeah, with it was the, special. With, it was magical. With the, uh, the, the Irish step dancing. And there were some older girls there. Yeah, there who was a bunch not, of teenage I, dancers. Teenage dancers. And they were mentoring our, our young one to help her through her routine. And, oh my and gosh. They were wonderful. It was, it was her. super cute. And and to think about, you know, putting our, our child into that situation where she can look up to maybe not even an adult, but a, a really well-behaved 12 or 14 year old who can be guiding them and right decisions is a really nice thing. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I hope that it's going to be a good thing. Obviously, with all scouts, there's some sort of money-raising thing. Girl Scouts has got the cookies. Boy Scouts has got the popcorn. Campfire does candy. They all do something. And I really don't love the idea of my kids selling something. But they do learn valuable skills as well about, you know, talking to people and being entrepreneurs. And Most important, okay. Girl Scouts is not about cookies. It's about cybersecurity badges, Ariel. Yeah, they have cybersecurity badges now. They've come a long way in the 30 years since I was a Girl Scout. I did not really... I, it was mostly arts and crafts when I did it <laughs> all those years ago. Um, but yeah, now there's automotive engineering badges. So, you know, they've evolved a little bit. Um, but again, there is going to be some sort of a religious, you know, however mild component. And this might depend more on your troop too. So just want you all to be aware of that. You, you said it uh, a second ago, Campfire Kids. What's well, How is that different than the other two? Yeah, so Campfire Kids, it's co-ed. So it's ages three to 18. So preschoolers can actually be Campfire Kids. Um, there are religious emblems that they can earn. Emblems is their word for merit badges or badges. Um, so there are some that are religious, uh, not wasn't otherwise overtly religious. It was a bit more secular than the others. Um, this one is a little bit smaller, quite a bit smaller actually than Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. So they don't have quite as many resources or as many camps, but they also have the freedom to be a bit more, um, they have the freedom to cater more to what their members of that troop really want to do without quite as much of, you know, this is, this is the way. <laughs> as the Mandalorian as the would Mandalorian say. Was <laughs> yeah. Can you do the music? <laughs> I don't think I can do the music. So, this is the way. Yeah. So, so I think that there's, they have some more flexibility and freedom, but they're not as well organized. There's not as many camps and as many things. I, I tried to go to a campfire meeting of a homeschool troop. So there are also homeschool troops for that. So that's kind of cool. 
Um, as I imagine there probably are for Boy Scouts too. It, I just, I didn't see it written there, but I'm sure that there's a way to find homeschool Boy Scout troops. Um, but you know, I felt like there wasn't enough structure in campfire for us. I wanted her to learn more skills and things. And I didn't feel like there was as much of that in the troop that we went to. That doesn't mean that every campfire troop is that way, but if you want something co-ed that you can take multiple age children, boys and girls to the same troop, that's a great option because you can't do that with either you know, Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, even if you did Boy Scouts, they're going to be in separate dens. So if you want to do kind of an all-in-one family experience, Campfire Kids might be something, you know, good for you to check out. How about like something like Frontier Girls? Maybe yeah. something that most people maybe haven't heard of. Yeah. So it's kind of a Girl Scout alternative. It's also a bit lesser known. There are religious requirements with Frontier, okay. with Frontier Girls. So it is much more overtly religious. So if that's something your family's into, um, then you know, check out Frontier Girls. And then another one is American Heritage Girls. Yeah, that one is Christian-based. So I'm only bringing it up in case you see it so that you know that that's a Christian-based scouting organization. Um, and Quest Clubs really depends. That's another one, uh, also a smaller one. It's sometimes religious, sometimes not. It really depends on you know the group that you join. So I just wanted to throw out those others, even though Frontier, American Heritage, Quest Clubs tend to be more religious. I just wanted you to know in case you saw them. One of the things I found out about all of these scouting organizations is it was very difficult to assess the level of religiousness, if that's a word, of each organization. Religiosity. Yeah. I tried to do some research so that I could tell you accurately, and it was very, very hard. Um, a lot of it was like they're kind of hiding. <laughs> a lot of They didn't want to really talk about it. So this is my best understanding of these different groups, but, um, you know, don't, don't, hate me if I got something a little bit wrong. I would say with all of these scouting opportunities, if you're looking for something truly secular, you should really inquire with your troop leader or the placement um, officer before you choose a troop to make sure that it meets your family's requirements because it wasn't really easy to find this information. Absolutely. Uh, so that was scouts. How about STEM? This is something that, you know, near and dear to our hearts, you know, robotics. What, what, what is out there? I want to get these kids into coding. I want to get them yeah. into... Yeah, boy, there's a things. lot of things. There's lots of different clubs. You can check out like your local makerspace. Even your local library might have these clubs. There's going to be uh, various levels of robotics. So first Lego League is kind of your from kindergarten to mid-elementary. And then you start going into levels of first robotics. I did first robotics as a high schooler and then volunteered as a college student yeah. with my high school team. And it's a wonderful organization and they just do some amazing things with adult mentors, helping them to uh, put together robots. And then they go and they compete with the robots. So there's always a challenge every year yeah. that they have to, they have to solve. And they, they put together this, um, this robot to you know meet the challenge and play some sort of a game there's always some sort of a game against another robot yeah, keep, uh, non non-destructive yeah, not a battle bots it was a really it was really <laughs> fun battle bots check it out on youtube really fun um if you are in an area where there's a lot of technology not just silicon valley but if you tend to be kind of a hotbed of technology in your area if you have a couple companies you will see these companies sponsoring these programs as yeah. and mentors i know where we were in Central Florida, there was a lot of government contractors for military, and a lot of in them were NASA, yeah. yeah, NASA in the NASA area, and they would come in and actually mentor their local first robotics competition. Yeah, they would actually be the leaders of it. So right, and my my high school team, yeah. it was all engineers from Harris and Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, yeah. Yeah. who were all the 
you know. These dads, they're just like dads. They're they were like, dads, but they were, dads they were wicked smart dads. <laughs> wicked smart guys with robots, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh yeah, I make a handheld radios in my day job and I'm building robots in the evening with my kids. They were so fun. We were. We had an, a, just an amazing time with those robotics teams. So there's lots of different, you also find like Minecraft type clubs or, yeah. you know, other, you know, coding and just... You know, you have to look around a little bit, but there could also be an enrichment class somewhere that also has a club. So, you know, try to find in your local community. Yeah, keep an eye out if you have like a university or a small college in your area as well. There may be some outflows from there where there may be some, you know, outreach into the community or yeah. outreach into the local high schools or middle schools. There may be evening clubs that you might be able to participate in, even Absolutely. though you're, you're not going to the public school. You know, you as a, a, a young STEM, budding STEM engineer, um, Maybe able to participate in those. Yeah, and that's a good point about all clubs is that you yeah. know depending on your state and it, school district, yeah. then you may be able to join a club at your local middle school or yeah. or high school. I mean, obviously that's not for our our young learners, but um, you know there I don't know if there's really very many clubs in elementary school. Maybe there are these but, days. But these are the type of things that might be a little bit harder to find that you yeah. may have to go out and look for. Yeah, you definitely have to do some looking. Yeah, especially in in like kind of these STEMI elements, they yeah. can be really quiet and kind of hidden away, but you know, really active when you get into them. They're yeah. not going to be these kind of sleepy groups. A lot of times you'll find these groups, they are extremely active. Because right, and there's usually some sort of competitive nature. Yeah. There's a there's a competition maybe at the local university that they're all building a, a robot for or a boat for or yeah. an airplane, you know. I mean, we you know, I've seen paper airplane competitions. I've seen all kinds of different things that the universities sponsor to get more kids involved in STEM. So yep. there's lots of things for STEM. Go, going next step, Agriculture, 4-H. 4-H, not, not just agriculture anymore. anymore. I have learned a tremendous bit about 4-H, Te- y'all. Teach us, teach us what you've learned about 4-H. So. The, be, being that we live in a kind of a quasi-rural area. Yeah, rural area outside we have the of major fairgrounds, metropolitan. Outside the metropolitan area, we have the well, big fairgrounds where I drive by every day when I drop my kid off to preschool, well, every third day, dropping her off to preschool, I drive by the huge paddocks that say sheep. Cows and it has pigs. 4-H symbols. It has 4-H symbols. And so everything. when you suggested that I look at 4-H for our daughter, apologize. I was like, apologize to the people so I can make it my ringtone. Yes, I was like, yes, I was like, you, no, you're correct, husband. No husband, guinea husband. pigs, no rabbits. We're not doing 4-H. No, we, I, I just, I don't want to do animals. No it's pet not, chickens. It was not for us. No, we've had chickens before. It was, I was like, it was just, it wasn't for, it wasn't for me. Wasn't for our family, um, but one of the things I realized about 4-H, obviously, we all know about the history of 4-H being agricultural based, right? The the kids at the fair who are presenting prize winning animals, learning about veterinary science and animal husbandry and different farming related things. The, the that's a 4-H kind of that's right in their wheelhouse. It was started by the Department of Agriculture, um, but I didn't realize till another mom told me that 4-H has moved beyond that. I think the H is like health, heart, hands. It doesn't have anything to do with animals specifically or agriculture. And they have groups that cover all kinds of different things. So like, for example, in our local county, our 4-H groups, each club says what they're into. So they might say poultry and sheep and pygmy goats and whatever. (laughs) Other groups, like we have a group in our town that does um, visual and performing arts, photography, sewing, and cooking. There's nothing agriculture there. Um, there's another, there's another group that's, uh, about a half hour away from us. That's only STEM. All they do is robotics, coding, Minecraft, aerospace engineering. That's what theirs is. Um, and they're a, they're a 4-H club. So 
that's another you know opportunity. They think they we, do first Lego League and you, you first found robotics. it kind of difficult to kind of get access. Into it was a little bit clubs, difficult, yeah. you know, at least in our area. Yeah, we have to kind of email the leader and see when they're meeting. Again, this is probably going to be mostly a school year related thing, um, except for the agriculture clubs, which I'm sure go through the summer because that's when fair season is. But your other the other uh, parts of 4-H may not. But like they have a 4-H club in our town that just does archery. That's all they do. Just archery. Our daughter's not old enough to do that yet, or I would totally be contacting them. But um, baby catness. <laughs> just know, just know that 4-H is not just agriculture any longer, as I was um, mistaken about. You, you are right, husband, 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 husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know they do some some interesting things. They do. Um, I saw sewing, cooking, financial literacy, cool. volunteering, agriculture science, STEM, all kinds of different things. And they're pretty clear about what their club is into and not into. So I think that is something interesting to check out. One last one. We've talked about the clubs. Let's talk just briefly before we wrap it up. Um, volunteering, you know, right? How, how to get them into the community and helping people. Yeah. Now, one of the things that Scouts is known for is volunteering. So we didn't mention it under yeah. Scouts, but that is a, a place where a lot of volunteering happens. But other than that, you know, we could get Especially our... Especially since volunteering is a big requirement, I think, sometimes for, you know, graduation. I know that was a big requirement for my high school is that we had to yeah. put in like, I think, 120 hours. I of... had to do a bunch of volunteering for yeah. scholarships when I was in high school. Yeah. yeah. So there should be all kinds of things. But, you know... um, you could volunteer. There are opportunities to volunteer with hospitals, with food banks. Yeah. One of the ones where your kids might be able to meet other kids is volunteering with a pet shelter, an animal rescue. You know, that might be something fun. One of the things you could do if you find a good, because, you know, the, the goal here is to give our kids some more social opportunities with other kids. Obviously, they socialize with the adults every day at the grocery store and the library and the doctor's yeah. office and all these places. Um, but trying to specifically help them make friends. One thing about finding volunteer opportunities is a lot of these are, you know, they're run by adults, right? So if you volunteer at the hospital or the pet rescue or whatever, one thing that could be cool if you find a good volunteer opportunity that takes elementary age kids, which can sometimes be tough, you know, maybe that's something good to put out to your local homeschool Facebook group and say, hey, such and such animal shelter um, would love to have kids come and volunteer to do XYZ. And maybe you can, you know, kind of community recruit some other homeschool kids to come and do that volunteering too, because otherwise, you know, your kids getting a really great experience volunteering, you should definitely do it. But if you're trying to get them to be able to meet and make friends with other homeschool kids, they may not be meeting any. So it might take a bit of initiative on your part. And all of these things being said, these are all different ideas. You can always start your own thing. And that's what you're going to do, right? Tell them about what you're going to do. Oh, yeah. So one of the big things that the parent partnership that we were told before COVID was that there were a lot of clubs on campus. And this was something that you know, it was a great opportunity for people to, to bring kids together to socialize around a common interest and a, you know, kind of a common themes and help develop, you know, longer lasting friendships. That was always something that we were told about. And obviously COVID kind of kind of ruined that a lot. It's something that I'm going to do next year. You know, my daughter every day, I think she logs about 90 minutes playing Legos and it's a super important thing for her. It's something she loves to do, pairs it with the audio books and it's kind of her time. And she, you know, is very, <laughs> she's so protective over her time that she starts to ask me around uh, 1245 is, 
is it time for sister to go to nap time? Is it time for sister to go to nap time? Because that means it's her turn to have a little bit of her favorite time, which is playing with Legos. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and launch a small Lego club, kind of a STEM club, um, Lego STEM um, next year on, on Fridays. And I'm going to be sourcing Legos and kind of becoming my own one man Lego, Lego shop and, <laughs> and seeing if I can, if I can gather in, you know, younger kids and I'm going to really focus on having the club be for younger kids, um, kind of a K to three years old and see if I can get some additional kids who are yeah, K to third. Yeah. K to third and kind of be in her wheelhouse because she'll, at that time she'll be seven, almost, you know, she'll be in the first grade range. And so I can kind of maybe try to build my own club and build my own interest and maybe play matchmaker, um, by doing that and also doing something that she enjoys. And also, my youngest, my three-year-old, loves doing Legos as well. And so by then she'll be three and a half and she'll hopefully not be so much of a tornado, maybe like an F1 tornado instead of the F5 tornado that she is. But <laughs> uh, and we'll be able to kind of run like a one-hour club and we're kind of going to do some build challenges, maybe do some, you know, Star Wars build challenges or, you know, you know whatever it might be, build a bridge, things of that nature. And I'm going to get some good ideas over the summer and kind of launch that as my own thing and, and find a space within the school to put that on and hopefully gather up some additional kids. And that's kind of where, you know, I'm going to try and focus and do that. So a lot of times, you know, if you can't find what you need, you may have to do it yourself. You may have to make it. And this is something that I've talked about with my writing groups. Um, you know, when you're trying to do promotions and, you know, you write a weird genre, like a historical fiction or, you know, I'm, I'm a weird horror, you know, uh, from, the middle ages. And you know, it's like, it's a very niche, right? There's like 50 books written in your whole genre. You know, sometimes you have to go out and do the thing to build what you want to build, right, like maybe. build that community and, and find those other people you have to do. And that may be something you have to do, especially if it's something that you're interested in and your kid yeah. is interested in yeah. and it's not provided, you may need to go and do that groundwork and understand that, you know, when you build your own thing, it does take time. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not expecting like 50 kids to come into my, lego class on the first week i i expect nobody on that first week and maybe one person on the second week but i know a bunch of teachers who are lego teachers we have the lego class in our at our school i have the Fundergarten class as well for kindergartners i know both of those teachers will let those parents know that there's this club for kids who want to do lego just kind of a free play bring your own legos or use the ones that are brought i might be able to gather in a couple of kids you know and that, that's right and, and then once you put that out there the most important thing is showing up every week, right? Don't cancel, don't cancel. Always be there, always be present, always be providing good content and good experience. And you're going to keep getting kids to come back because it's not going to be the the thing where the parents are dragging the kid to the, to the class. It's going to be the kid dragging the parent to the class. And that's kind of what you're looking for. That's right. Yeah. Start your own club, start yeah. your own scout troop. If you want to have a specific type of scouting experience, start exactly. your own co-op or your own meetup or play group, or, you know, there's, there's lots of opportunities. Um, so if you don't have it in your local area, you know, consider being the one. So we hope this gave you some great ideas of ways your kiddos can get out there and make some other, other friends, some other yeah, kiddo absolutely. friends. So let's wrap it up the way we always do. I know this went a little bit longer than we thought it would, um, but it's fun to chat. It is fun. It is it's fun late. To chat. It's late. And the, and we the, get chatty. And the three-year-old finally fell asleep, so that's good. Um, <laughs> thing we're into this week, we were talking a lot about robotics with our daughter. We were talking about, you know, showing her, you know, robots on TV. We were doing a little bit of a, a Boston Dynamics videos, and she was really interested in that. And I, 
I said, hey, let me show you about battle bots. <laughs> and uh, we pulled and up. And a rabbit hole was born. <laughs> hours of watching battle bots uh, ensued. Um, I think most of us remember there was a TV show. I don't know what channel it was on. It's like NBC or whatever. It was in the Saturday morning or something like that. I don't remember. Whatever it was, they had it on television. And it was battle bots. And it was all about these guys building these bots. And the bots would be in this enclosed arena and they would then battle each other and like pieces with cage. people would pieces would go flying and everything well that has gotten very sophisticated in the recent day in yeah recent years. boy it used to be uh, very clunkery when clunkery. we were well and it's really cool because yeah I'll, I'll take it um We'll, we'll petition webster it's, and it's been late, it's late <laughs> and there's like a floor and in, in the floor are like buzz saws that come up right. and huge hammers and and sometimes pistons that yeah pop like up. like the the field is trying to kill you and the other bot and, the other, and so we were looking up specifically uh a compilation video it's kind of a um they have like a grid style competition so if you beat the one guy then you move on and play face somebody else well, we were watching this one Minotaur. It was a spinning front blade. Oh uh, man, that was drum a thing wheel, of beauty. And it was spinning. That it was spinning so fast that it was actually causing some, and it was actually lifting through the torque of the of the spinning of the of the drum was actually lifting the the bot off the ground because it was it was going so fast and spinning so fast. And when it goes in and hits the other bot, the bot would literally go flying. And you know this bot weighs one hundred and fifty pounds. And watching this huge robot go flying 30 feet through the air, crashing around, pieces flying off, wheels disappearing into like vapor. You like, you see a wheel, then it's gone. And you don't know where it went. Yeah, our <laughs> kids have been totally into it. And we've been talking a lot about yeah. kind of, you know, why certain designs work and yeah. others don't. And we were, we, we were pausing and showing like, hey, look at this spot, you know, it has a giant blade and does that going to be helpful versus the spinning drum of doom? And I'll make sure to put a video of the spinning drum of, of doom video. Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. good. We were talking a lot about design, and, and our daughter was thinking about like, hmm, if I were going to design a bot, like, how would I design? How would I? Because <laughs> BattleBots is not just about being destructive to the other bot; it's about protecting and armoring your bot. So she was thinking a lot about like the defense of it, yeah. um, and how you know how how would you design it so that it was impenetrable? <laughs> exactly. So it was a lot of fun, um, really exciting. Uh, a little bit of. Uh, uh, in real life, real steel. You remember that the huge Jackman yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, a little bit of real steel, and uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. That was a good movie. Um, <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna wrap it up. Go out there, make friends with your for your kids. Yep. They'll they'll thank you for it in twenty years when they're when they're inviting those those friends to their wedding. <laughs> That's how important this is. <laughs> if you don't get it right now, it's all over. Uh, take care, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!